This is Mick Rhodes for the Claremont Courier podcast, First Take. Here's a story most Claremont residents hope they'd never hear. Claremont loses a jewel in its crown as Candlelight Pavilion closes its doors. Stories of longtime businesses closing their doors nearly always involve an entity decidedly past its heyday, reluctantly giving way to market forces that have rendered it unprofitable. This is not that kind of story. Simply put, the Candlelight Pavilion has plenty of audience, but not enough parking. So, the beloved 37-year Claremont Institution, having served up first-rate dinner theater to three generations, is closing, with its final curtain call set for Sunday afternoon. Just how do the Candlelight Founders torch-carrying offspring Producer Mindy Tuber and General Manager and Vice President Michael Mick Bollinger feel about that? I think Mick and I could sum that up in one word. We're heartbroken. The Bollinger family has been synonymous with the Candlelight Pavilion since its 1985 inception. Mother Lois Bollinger took over sole ownership of the Candlelight from her husband and founder, the late Ben Bollinger, after his 2018 death. This is our life. This is what we wanted to do until we had retired, and then, please God, we would have turned it over to some other member of our family. So there is no joy in this for me, I can say. The thought of the candlelight closing its doors would have seemed preposterous in our pre-pandemic world. The Claremont gem had thrived for 35 years, and the numbers were better than ever. So how did we get here? Mick Bollinger explained. Prior to all this happening, it was a successful business plan that would have worked until we retired. It's, we're heartbroken that we didn't get to where we wanted to be as a result of these mitigating circumstances. After shutting its doors in March 2020, the candlelight reopened June 2 of last year to sold-out performance, albeit at COVID-mandated lower capacity. But when rules were eased near the end of 2021 and higher capacity was possible, the adjacent construction project, see mitigating circumstances, was at a fever pitch, resulting in a large amount of parking spaces formerly available to candlelight patrons being permanently eliminated. It soon became clear there was no way to fill the house to capacity with such limited parking. Decades of sold-out houses at its 300 capacity had kept the candlelight solidly viable, but overcoming the loss of the portion of its audience who could not find a parking spot, in the end, proved insurmountable. And though both Tuber and her brother are lamenting what's lost, they both agree they are leaving with full hearts, heads held high. Yeah, it's a sad story for us, but it's also an amazing story that we have had such an impact on so many lives. I mean, it's... Wow. My greatest blessing, for sure. Born in 1985 from a napkin sketch and a partnership between the late Ben Bollinger and Alton Sandy Sanford, who owned Griswold's for four decades, the candlelight combined Ben's musical theater know-how and Sandy's food service skills to transform an underused gymnasium into a thriving dinner theater. That arrangement held until 1989, when Bollinger took over the food side as well intent on upgrading to a fine dining experience. Since then, and until the close of business this Sunday, that was what the candlelight offered. Strictly fresh foods, handmade ice cream, 
and a wide selection of appetizers and desserts, all made to order. And of course, the shows. So many shows. More than 255 theater productions and dozens of concerts serving, get this, more than 1,589,000 guests over those 37 years. Tuber, who has spent decades behind the scenes, has only recently been able to take a breath and absorb the impact the candlelight has had. You know, that's the focus of the story is the community lost a, a piece of its heart. It's, the, it's art and culture that we so proudly brought to them for so many years. I mean, it was, it was a labor of love, but it was with intense pride that, that Claremont could say, look what we have, this little jewel that brings amazing, amazing musicals. Sunday's final performance of Candlelight Jubilee is, of course, sold out, with a waiting list of 2,000 hoping to somehow land one of the 300 seats. Chef Juan Alvarado, who's been with the Candlelight from the very beginning, will be serving his final courses of slow-roasted tri-tip, marinated chicken breast, grilled tilapia filet, and vegetarian pockets. Food servers, bus persons, hosts, and the tech crew will support a cast made up of performers from throughout the Candlelight's history, accompanied by a live band. Bollinger's final signature curtain speech in Claremont promises to be memorable. And to take this walk down memory lane through their eyes and their emotions, which you're going to see, is really a wonderful send-off in a way that is no way sad it's just wild look look what we've done and an immense talent yeah just show off how good our performers really are emotions are never in short supply with the theater troupe add in the inherent drama of a final night in a space that holds 37 years of memories and things are bound to be heightened tuber had explicit instructions for the cast of this final production i asked them on the first night of rehearsal was cry now and then be so incredibly thankful for your gifts and what we can give to people every night to remind them how special this is. So the sentiment has been nothing but, holy cow, this was a great run, and we touched so many lives with art and music and food. And that's, boy, if if that's the last thing we do, that's a pretty sweet gig, Mick. Patrons have been sharing their gratitude on memory cards in the Candlelight's lobby, throughout the four-week run of Candlelight Jubilee. Over on Facebook, the February 4 announcement of its impending closing had at press time elicited more than 300 comments lamenting the news and paying tribute. Fans of the Candlelight will be heartened, though, to learn its proprietors intend to reopen somewhere in the area. Both sides of the business are ready-made. It owns everything inside its current home, both theatrical and restaurant-related and several surrounding communities have approached Tuber and Bollinger expressing interest in providing it a home. It also has something impossible to quantify, a built-in, loyal audience that has already made clear is prepared to follow wherever it may land. The past few weeks have been a whirlwind. As the final curtain approaches, not having another show to prep has been strange for both of them. And as they look back on 37 years of joyfully grinding out top-flight musical theater and fine dining for three generations of patrons, Tuber said it's time for a pause. We need to just regroup, and this was a lot. This was emotionally, mentally, 
we want to just stop and then really soul search about what the next project looks like and where. So, for now, Bollinger said, it's sadness mixed with pride. This is just so much more global than the city of Claremont. And and that's that's why I don't think that, that people really ever got their head around, that, that we have people coming in on a regular basis from, oh from Camarillo to Palm Springs, from the high desert to San Diego yeah. and, and to Los Angeles and, you know, Pasadena. And, and, and these people wouldn't know what Claremont was if it wasn't for the Cadillac Pavilion. We have people that live in, in other states that come in here to see their parents that live here, and they fly in eight times a year to come see the musicals to be with their parents at the Cadillac Pavilion. This, this isn't a local community group of people that were supporting this little theater. This, this was a huge group, uh, tens of thousands of people that didn't come from Claremont. They came from everywhere around Claremont that aren't coming to Claremont anymore. And that is a real tragedy for the city of Claremont. The millions of patrons who for 37 years sat beneath the candlelight's iconic chandeliers, dining, laughing, crying, and singing along, would no doubt agree. This has been Mick Rhodes for the Claremont Courier Podcast First Take. Thanks for listening. First Take's theme music was written by Mick Rhodes and Wyman Reese and performed by Mick Rhodes and the Hard Eight.